In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and at the Gold Dome. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Janelle Davis, who runs the AJC's hyper-local team and also spent months on a project on sexual harassment complaints here in Georgia. Thanks for joining us, Janelle. Thank you for having me, Greg. Let's get right to it. Since mid-October, a dozen state lawmakers, probably more than a dozen now, have resigned and two others have been expelled from legislatures in nine states amid sexual harassment allegations. Many, many more have faced sanctions or demotions or other sorts of punishments. But this movement hasn't had the same impact in Georgia, has it? Not really. And the numbers you cite, um, those come from a national organization that kind of keeps up with that information for state legislatures across the country. And that those numbers were from March. So like you said, probably those numbers have increased at this point. But you're right. What we've seen across the country hasn't really had the same impact here. Um, things have been slow. As you know, in the most recent session, we had... Um, uh, lawmakers take a look at the the existing sexual harassment policy and make some changes there. And we also had some lawmakers to um, propose uh, bills dealing with sexual harassment uh, at the Capitol mm-hmm. on their own. Um, those bills didn't get very far, but we did kind of have a, um, a, an overhaul of the or, or expansion, I would mm-hmm. call it that, of the existing legislative policy, which I'm sure we'll get a little more into later. Yeah, let's talk about that right now. Um, so this wasn't a sweeping rewrite of a legislative pro- policy, but it, but it did what, require more training um, for, for, for state lawmakers and employees of the legislative branch about sexual harassment policy, right? Correct. Yeah, under, the, under that plan now that, um, uh, like you said, those employees and lawmakers are required to get that training um, every two years, so they have to do that. Um, also, it, it uh, uh, better defines sexual harassment and even goes as far as giving examples of what that is and what sexual misconduct is, um, so everyone is aware what those things are. Um, it also reiterates things like uh, you know the no retaliation policies and things like that. It also sets up um, more avenues for people to make and file complaints, uh, and so it provides those kinds of provisions in the policy. So just because we haven't had any sort of huge fallout over the Me Too movement in Georgia politics doesn't mean that there's not a problem, right? And you spent months on this story that ran in the AJC's front page on Sunday edition just a few weeks ago uh, detailing this. Tell, tell me about some of the stories you, you learned during that, during that process. 
very interesting, like and exactly what you said, just because we haven't seen what some of the other states have seen doesn't mean it hasn't happened here. What we learned in doing that research for the story is that um, some things have happened here, mm-hmm. more than likely, um, but people have been very afraid to come forward. Um, and I say people, most times in these cases, the um, person who is alleging to have been sexually harassed Mm -hmm. is usually a female. Um, And the person who is alleged to have committed the sexual harassment or sexual misconduct is male. Um, In talking to various people here, I talked to a number of um, lobbyists and female lawmakers, current and former. You talked to dozens Um, of people. Yes, yes, we did. And some of those people told us that things had happened to them, that they had been harassed. Like um, one female lobbyist, for example, told us that um, she had been harassed by a male lawmaker uh, in talking with him. You know, like the entire time she spoke with him, he looked down her shirt or, um, you know, comments that were made or, you know, touches and back rubbing. Um, One uh, former staff member, female, told us that a, she went to a male lawmaker trying to get some uh, professional help, like for her career and to, uh, career advancement, to kind of get some advice from him uh, because they were working in the same career field. And she was basically um, subjected to him asking her, hey, would you like to go down the street to this hotel? You know, and basically, what can you do for me kind of thing? So things have gone on, but people have been afraid to talk about it. And it's not just uh, uh, lobbyists and staffers. Sometimes it's lawmakers too, right? That is true. Many times it is lawmakers. And that's what we've seen not only here in Georgia, but um, kind of nationally. This also has to do with power, right? Um, For lobbyists, that is how you, you know, earn your keep, you know, by getting your clients um, uh, legislation and the issues that they care about, getting them passed, having lawmakers sign on, having those issues go as far as they can in the legislature. And so you're already, as a lobbyist, many times in a position of less power than who you're working with. So many times it has been where a male lawmaker in a position of power has kind of exerted that power or maybe um, misused that power in these uh, situations. And your story wrote, uh, detailed how, like many legislatures and political bodies are, are across the nation, the Georgia legislature for, for decades was a boys club where it was kind of like an anything goes mentality, right? It truly was. It was so interesting. That was one of the most interesting parts of the story for me, talking to some of these law, female lawmakers who had been um, either in the legislature formerly years ago, or uh, including one of them who's still in there now, but who's been there for decades. And just hearing them talk about how things used to be and the things, I think they had, a, they even had a term for it. It was called like talking under your skirt, where, you know, male lawmakers would make these um, comments to you like, hey, you're looking really nice in that dress today. And, ooh, look at the, you know, boobs on that one or things like that. It was interesting that, you know, that was just kind of the way things were. And asking them like, well, did you ever, you know, say anything about it? Or did you come forward? And they, you know, many of them said, no, that's just kind of how things were at the time. The other interesting thing is um, some of them point to actually the Anita Hill Clarence Thomas Mm. uh, issue on sexual harassment. One of the lawmakers I talked to, she said, you know, back then sexual harassment wasn't even really talked about much. It wasn't even a term we used. But with Anita Hill Clarence Thomas, she said that allowed us to kind of, um, uh, I guess maybe 
It was a watershed. It was moment. a watershed moment yeah. for them. Yeah, and it allowed them to uh, kind of understand what was happening, what was going on, and know that hey, maybe this isn't the way that things are supposed to be. Yeah, and you know that 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 struck me. One, one of the lines in your story, you said, one, and many of the people spoke uh, anonymously. They were worried about uh, you know a, a sort of chilling effect. And one of the person, one of the people you talked to, one woman said that. You asked her why didn't you file a complaint about one of her um, one of the issues, one of the allegations that, t- that took place. She said if she did, she would never be able to work in this town again. So there is something of a, a chilling effect right out there. It truly is. I mean, like we were saying earlier, if you're a lobbyist, for example, like this woman was, that is your livelihood. And if you feel that if you are to go public and come forward with something um, that and allege that someone has done something to you who basically has your livelihood in the palm of their hands Mm -hmm. because they make decisions on whether the the legislation that you are supporting for your clients moves, advances, or, or doesn't. You know, that has a chilling effect. I mean, because not only would she never work in this town again, but, you know, her reputation is possibly sullied. Um, she's probably maybe looked upon as even having lied or, you know, her other reputation is called into question or anything like that, you know, which is what we saw happen in, in this session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that. We, we had a real world example of that happening uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, State Senator David Schaefer is one of the most powerful Republicans in Georgia. He's also uh, the leading fundraiser in the Republican race for lieutenant governor. Well, shortly after he qualified for that office, he was slapped with an ethics complaint by a longtime lobbyist uh, who accused him of making sexually inappropriate comments and then killing her legislation when she didn't follow through on on whatever he wanted her to allegedly wanted her to do. He called her an intention-seeking wannabe, trying to settle an old score, and several of his allies and and friends. Uh, signs sworn affidavit saying that David Schaefer would never do anything like that and also uh, calling into question her character. Um, A report released this month cast suspicion on her allegations and the ethics committee soon after that report was was crafted voted to dismiss the complaint. So this is happening sort of in real time right now, right? It is true. It it is truly happening in real time. and you saw during that entire thing, what was the comment made about this uh, woman? I think um, the lawmaker. What was the the quote he used? Like she was a woman who was trying to settle, trying to score. settle an yeah. old score. Yeah, yeah. you know, she used was that. 50, she was looking for a fifteen minutes in fame. That was it. Of fame, and she was trying to settle an old score. Settle an old score. And, and that that can be disheartening, and that can be off putting for people because um, I think while the legislature made some advances in expanding their existing sexual harassment policy. I think actions go a long way, go much further than, you know, anything on paper or any kind of legislation that's passed. So unfortunately, I think people may look at this and see, or other women or other uh, people who um, think that they have been, you know, uh, victims of, of sexual harassment, will look at this and say, well, should I come forward now? Even if I was thinking about doing it before, look how this woman was treated. Is this how I will be treated as well? Will there be doubt cast upon me? Will a legislative panel come back and say, it didn't happen? You know, my my, my allegations have no merit. Um, 
You know, so I think mm-hmm. that 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 goes a long way into kind of what this means long term for others in this. And I think that's something that, you know, we'll be talking about probably for months to come. Yeah. And in this case, um, the state Senate hired a investigator, a mm-hmm. well-known prominent attorney mm-hmm. um, who's actually a Democratic donor in the past, who, who looked into these allegations, did dozen more than a dozen interviews um, several with David Schaefer, several with the, with the woman whose name, by the way, the AJC, her name is, is in the report, but the AJC does not identify um, alleged victims of sexual harassment, so we're not going to say her name, but interviewed her several times. Also interviewed lawmakers and other people around the case. It came to the conclusion that it's not likely, I'm just paraphrasing, but it's not likely these accusations are true, but it also couldn't say that they weren't true. It's, it's, it, a lot of it goes to a sort of he said she said mentality um, in a way because there's nothing concrete that it could say either way. Um, but it did, the, the investigators did interview several lawmakers, including one very powerful lawmaker, Majority Leader Bill Cowsert, who's a longtime uh, mm-hmm. colleague of mm-hmm. David Schaefer, who said bluntly that he, he didn't dismiss the lobbyist allegations because, in his words, it had a ring of truth to it. The other interesting thing about this, we would never know any of this. Because these are all, all these reports, all these allegations, reports, conclusions, even taxpayer-funded settlements that might have been struck with some of these victims, they're shielded from the public. The, the state legislative branch, the legislature, exempted itself from the state's Open Records Act years ago and has always resisted any efforts to expand the Open Records Act to include what lawmakers, documents that lawmakers receive, any, any records from the legislative branch, which includes these reports. And the only way that we're able to talk about them today that they, is that the AJC independently was able to get the ethics complaint filed against David Schaefer and independently get the report that concluded that the, that ethics complaint was likely uh, not accurate. So we're talking here about having to go bend over backwards to get reports about what is happening under the Gold Dome that is of, of, of value and importance to, to Georgia citizens, right? That is true. And, and, and it even goes a step beyond that. I mean, if a lawmaker is, um, you, you know, um, punished mm-hmm. by, you know, his colleagues in the legislature, uh, if they decide to do that, you know, we may not even know that either, you know, depending on the punishment, you know, short of them expelling him, um, you know, which would be a public thing, of course. Yeah. But short of that, you know, he's, um, you know, reprimanded in some sort of way um, behind closed doors. We possibly would not even know that unless, you know, the committees in the legislature decide to, you know, vote to make it public, which, you know, who knows if that would ever happen. You wrote that the system is designed to keep the public in the dark about these investigations and outcomes. Were, were there any people who sort of supported the way, why this system was designed that way? In, in talking with um, with uh, some lawmakers, particularly like uh, uh, Speaker Ralston and um, uh, Speaker Pro Tem Jan Jones, who was the uh, chairperson mm-hmm. for the committee that kind of expanded and, and looked at the existing state policy and was responsible for a lot of the, the changes that did get implemented this year. One of the things they continually... Um, mentioned was that in working with a third-party lawyer who really helped them kind of go through the policy, one of the things they sought to do was to make sure that the identity and rights of the accuser were protected in these cases. 
By doing that, though, in some instances, you also keep information about the accused hidden from the public. And while the accuser may not be a public official, in many cases, the accused is a public official um, who is elected by the the people of Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there is an understanding for wanting to keep some things private and keep a person's name, you know, out of the media and not make it public. But you kind of have to weigh that with uh, whether there is a right to know on the other side and whether the citizens of Georgia have a right to know what their elected officials have been accused of or are involved in. Or how their taxpayer dollars are being spent in case of a settlement. Exactly. And, and there probably is a, a a compromise out there with maybe the allegations. I've heard some lawmakers say maybe that the ethics complaints themselves should still be shielded, mm-hmm. but maybe once the report is finalized or if there is an adjudicated result, a sanction, a settlement, whatever that may be, that should also be public. But all this could soon change. Uh, the AJC surveyed all seven leading candidates for governor, five Republicans, two Democrats, and each said they supported changes that would make the results of these reports available publicly. Several said they would also back revealing the accusations themselves, and many also wanted to make the entire legislature subject to the Open Records Act. Is this surprising to you? Uh, yeah, it, 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 it is. This, this burst of it transparency? It is, this burst of transparency. Um, I think it's a very interesting time in which we're living. I think the national Me Too movement has, um, you know, had many impacts far and wide. I think that a lot of the work that um, that came out of this legislative session, I think the allegations against um, Schaefer, I think all of this, the reporting we've done, I think all of this is kind of mixing into a stew almost for this year. And I'm hoping that maybe it's having some impact. We'll see. I will say this um, nationally, some of the things that we've reported on and looking in other states um, in um, uh, Arizona, for example, uh, one of the very first lawmakers that we wrote about, and we we talked to the attorney in that case for the the reporting that we did, who uh, was expelled from that Um, state legislature back in November because of uh, he was accused by a female lawmaker of some sexual misconduct. He recently, you know, filed a $1.3 million claim against the Speaker of Arizona's House and the Chief of Staff claiming that he was targeted because what he was trying to do was to expose fraud in the state's procurement office. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's almost like flipping it back on them. Another item, like in Florida, where they were really pushing forward to get some of the same... um, changes done in their state legislature after uh, a senator, you know, was resigned and now faces criminal investigation. But, you know, they got right to the finish line for getting some legislation passed there as well that would have done some of the things that you're talking about Mm -hmm. that our seven candidates say they want to do. But, you know, just last month they were unable to get that passed. So while I am hopeful that some of the things, you know, there will be more transparency and some of those things do come about. I do sort of, I I have a little caution up and I I have just a little cynicism up about that because of kind of what tends to happen in situations like this. I think the intentions are good, but I hope that the follow through is just as good. Well, we are continuing to report on the ripple effects from the Me Too movement here in Georgia and all over the South. Janelle, tell us how, tell our listeners how they can reach you if they have any ideas or uh, tips for you. Sure, please send them my way. Um, they can reach me anytime at the AJC, Janelle.Davis at AJC.com, um, or just look me up, Google me. I'm right there and ready to talk. 
Great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Janelle. Thank you, Greg. Now it's time for the lightning round, where we go over some of the biggest political news in Georgia this week. The movement to impeach Donald Trump landed in Atlanta, with billionaire Tom Steyer hosting a town hall meeting trying to build support for his effort. He's got more than 5.2 million signatures so far, and about 150 people or so gathered in a downtown Atlanta event space to hear his pitch. He got a skeptical response from many of the Democrats who worry he could be undermining their efforts to take back the House with a singular focus on impeachment. But others gave him a very warm reception and said they were willing to back him any way they could. The TV ad wars in the governor's race is heating up. Stacey Abrams aired her first spot, an introductory ad that appealed in part to white voters. She also picked up two major endorsements, one from Planned Parenthood, the other from Georgia Equality. Both of those endorsements were blows to her rival, Stacey Evans, who also aggressively sought their support. And Clay Tippins came out swinging with an ad that showed a Casey Cagle lookalike dancing in a strip club and featured Hunter Hill dressed like Benedict Arnold. The ad claimed Casey Cagle backed special tax breaks for Claremont Lounge and that Hill's secretly a gun control advocate. Both blasted Tippins as a slimy politician. For more political stories, visit politicallygeorgia.com and myajc.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.